The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. On this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Premier League trip to Leicester City. The Gunners looking to continue where they left off at Villa Park and keep that distance between ourselves and a Manchester City side that take on Bournemouth this weekend. We're also going to be discussing the news with regards to Bukayo Saka after reports emerged yesterday that the England international, the Arsenal star boy, as we call him, has agreed a new deal with the club in principle, although that is yet to be signed. But positive news nonetheless. We're going to be doing all of that on today's show. We'll be taking some of your thoughts, some of your questions as well from the live chat. And... Um, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into it then. Uh, in fact, let's say a few hellos first because there's a, a few of you with us live at the moment. I know we're a few minutes later uh, than we advertise the stream. For some reason, uh, my internet's just been really bad the last few days. It's been really weak, really poor, uh, really patchy in terms of the connection. Um, noticed it this morning when I woke up as well. Noticed it on the kids' tablets. That's kind of uh, how I gauged that it wasn't quite at the level it needed to be. So uh, when I came online, I tested the connection. It wasn't very good. So I decided to restart the router, which as you guys know, takes a few minutes and that's why we're a little bit late. So uh, apologies for that. But here we are. A uh, big hello to Matt, who says, good morning, everyone. Uh, Billy says, morning, folks. Excited to see the Gunners in action again this weekend. Uh, big hello to Wesbird. A uh, big hello uh, to uh, Nav, who says, what's good, everyone? Um, Des says, I'm looking forward to the signing of William and Tom Cleverley and Rob Holding getting a much-deserved five-year extension. Well, Des, true to your form, uh, you've started moaning before the show's even happened about stuff that hasn't happened. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, what else have we got? Um, Nav needs to dash off to work. Uh, yeah, you do that, mate. Don't want to get you sacked. Uh, waiting for the podcast. Uh, big hello to Richie, to the Wandering Minstrel, and everybody else in the live chat. So, yeah, um, Arsenal take on Leicester. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to know really what to make of, of last weekend. You know, obviously the adrenaline was amazing. Obviously the boost that it gave us was huge, obviously. Um, you know, when you're up against it in a game, up against it in general in terms of your overall form and you manage to turn it around, you manage to find a solution. It's incredibly satisfying. I've watched the um I've watched the game back, I think probably three times now. I've watched it once. Um then I watched it a second time before I did the podcast on Sunday morning. And I've probably now seen it I think one more time in full I kind of split it into two sections. I watched one half uh on monday and then i watched one half on wednesday i think it was um and yeah i mean look the performance in the first half wasn't great i think we can all acknowledge that we can all agree 
with that. I thought some of Aaron Ramsdale's comments in which he talked about kind of maybe the fact that it's a bit of a young team and it got to them a little bit. I thought they were really valid. Um, he highlighted Jorginho and he highlighted Zinchenko as people that, you know, have been there and done it and, and helped the team to kind of just revert back to basics in that second half. And that's exactly what they did. It was as though everything that had happened in the weeks building up to it was just put to one side mentally and Arsenal focused on the game that's got them to this point in the first place. And there was a hell of a lot of passion. There was a hell of a lot of fight. There was a hell of a lot of desire. There was a little bit of fortune as well in the end, in the way that the Jorginho slash Emmy Martinez goal came about. Um, but, you know, you earn that luck, don't you? When you fight hard and you battle hard and you, you work and you you press and you push and you try to make things happen, often you'll get the rewards, you know, and often you'll get that rub of the green that, if we're being honest, we hadn't had in the weeks building up to that. So, you know, great. It was a fantastic outcome. We've talked all week about how it was a bit of a shot in the arm and it was probably more powerful than Arsenal going out there, for example, putting in a... Um, you know, seven, eight out of 10 display and winning the game one, two, nil. This was um, this was just something special. And it was something that I think has galvanized everybody around the club. Not only that, though, it wasn't just about what Arsenal did. It was the fact that Manchester City dropped points as well, because a lot of us watched them come to the Emirates Stadium uh, on that Wednesday night, not play at their best, but I think in the second half managed to find ways of getting on top of us and obviously showed that they're much more efficient than us or can be more efficient than us in that final third. And that kind of was a weird one to take because on the one hand, as Arsenal fans, you were obviously disappointed with the fact that Arsenal, who started the game so well, couldn't maintain that level, couldn't continue that on into the second half and cause Manchester City real problems. But there was also a part of you that felt that this is Manchester City's liftoff point. This is where they become the inevitable Manchester City that we've seen for the last five, six, seven seasons. So then for them to go and drop points the following weekend is massive because what it does is it just kind of reminds us all that this is maybe not the Manchester City that Liverpool were chasing down, for example. This is maybe not the Manchester City that's at its absolute pomp. This is a Manchester City that is still a great side and has the ability to click. And when it does, there's so much talent in the group, it's impossible not to fear them. But there are vulnerabilities and there are signs of them just maybe not being as clinical and not being as potent as they have been in the years gone by. So that gave me as much encouragement, I think, as... Arsenal's win at Aston Villa did. And I think that's important. Taking it on then uh, to this weekend, Leicester City are, are going to be a difficult opponent. You know, they're one of those sides that have had a very underwhelming season by the standards that they've set in recent seasons. They're a side that has got a lot of talent. I've listened to uh, some of the kind of talk around this game over the past sort of 24 hours. And Brendan Rodgers has said that James Madison needs to be assessed. He's got a bit of a knee problem. Now, that would be a result for Arsenal because he is someone that I worry about. And I'll explain why I worry so much about James Madison, but he's not the only one. You know, there's people like Harvey Barnes, Jamie Vardy's in the picture. Kelechi Iheanacho is someone who's looked quite dangerous in his last few games. Leicester City are one of those sides, and I think Ash um, highlights it in the comments, that defensively, you know you can get at them. You know that they're not. Uh, very uh, stable, you know that there are gaps and you know that you can expose them. But you also know that if you leave gaps and if it clicks for Leicester City, they can cause you an awful lot of problems because of the talent that I've just mentioned. So this is going to be a game, again, at which we need to be our best. 
we need to be somewhere close to our top level. We can't go into the game asleep like we did against Villa. We can't go into the game like we did um, uh, like we did, um, you know, against Brentford where we didn't start very well, against Everton where we didn't start very well. We have to be uh, at a high level. We have to be at it from the off. And I think if we are anywhere near our best, we win this game. And and that's why we don't have to obsess about what Leicester City are going to do. We need to focus on ourselves. We know we've got the capabilities and we know we can hit that level. It's just that for whatever reason, in recent weeks, we haven't been able to hit that level regularly enough. Luck has gone against us on a lot of occasions, in a lot of instances. Fortunately, it went a little bit for us against Villa. But as I said, I felt like we earned that with the performance. If you perform, most of the time you'll come out with the result you deserve. Not all the time. But most of the time you will. And and I think that's where the focus needs to be on our performance. And um, and we'll worry about what Leicester City do um, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're not performing. How can we then, uh, of course, nullify some of the threat that they have? That's going to be the interesting bit. But anyway, um, let's take a look at uh, the Premier League statistics going into this one, as we always do in our preview shows. Uh, this game is at 3pm on Saturday here in the UK, so it won't be televised in the UK. If you have other means of watching it, I do not condone them, but I know that people do it, so why not do it if you can? Uh, otherwise, it's on BBC Radio 5 Live. Um, but anyway, look, head-to-head in the Premier League, these two sides have met on 33 occasions. Um, Leicester City have only won uh, five of them, um, Arsenal have won uh, 20 of them. So uh, there's been eight draws between the two sides. If you look at the recent uh, record between these two sides, you look back at the last five meetings, Leicester have won one uh, of the, those uh, last five. Uh, that came back in October 2020 at Emirates Stadium during Arsenal's horrendous run. Uh, the Gunners uh, won 4-2 earlier on this season uh, at Emirates Stadium, uh, right at the start of the season. I remember that game. Uh, I covered it. And um, and that was obviously very positive. Back in the last season, we beat them by two goals to nil. We also won at the King Power uh, by two goals to nil back in, in that October Um, We also beat them at the King Power on Sunday, 28th of February by three goals to one. So we've got a pretty decent record against them. If you look at the form guide uh, between these two sides, well, it's identical. Both sides have won two of their last five, drawn one and lost two. Leicester City losing at Manchester United last weekend was probably a bit disappointing for them, given that they'd beaten Spurs uh, really comfortable at the King Power 4-1, that was. Um, the week before. And the week before that, they battered Aston Villa at, uh, of course, Villa Park. So Leicester would have gone into that United game feeling a bit of confidence. And and I don't think the 3-0 United win really reflected how the game went. If you look back, especially at the first, what should we say, um, first half an hour, uh, 25 minutes, half an hour, Leicester City could have been in front. Leicester City could have, um, you know, could have put the, the, the game... Maybe beyond Manchester United, actually, you know, there was a there was a good chance that they were were going to do that when you looked at the balance of play. But David De Gea was the only thing ultimately that stood in their way. Arsenal have been on a poor run. We know that, you know, three games without a win, two defeats in a draw. Uh, The defeats came against Everton and Manchester City with that draw against Leicester sandwiched in between. Um, 
But we got back to winning ways uh, against Aston Villa last weekend. So at least in terms of the short-term form, uh, we go into this hopefully with a bit more confidence. If you look at the seasons so far, uh, Arsenal sit in first place whilst Leicester sit 14th. Uh, they've won just seven games this season. Arsenal have won 17. They've drawn three. We've drawn three. They've lost 13 times. We've lost just three times. In terms of average goals scored per match, uh, they scored 1.57 goals per match, which suggests that actually the problems for Leicester City are not at that end of the pitch. They're at the other end of the pitch where they seem to concede just under two goals per match. And that is simply not good enough. In terms of clean sheets, they've managed six in comparison to Arsenal's nine, but they only create or they create only marginally fewer chances than us. According to the Premier League website, uh, on average, they create 1.61 clear goal-scoring opportunities per game, whereas Arsenal create 1.91. Their biggest win of the season was a 4-0 victory over Nottingham Forest. Our biggest win was also over Nottingham Forest. Uh, Nottingham Forest are a much better side nowadays, though, uh, than they were then. And then if we take it on to top player statistics, in terms of goals in the Premier League, Bukayo Saka has a rival. Harvey Barnes uh, is just behind him on eight, but James Madison is level with him on nine. Uh, in terms of assists, it's three Arsenal players leading the way. Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard and Gabriel Jesus. In terms of passes, it's Saliba, Gabriel and Partey for the Gunners. In terms of tackles, it's two Leicester City players sitting at the top. Timothy Castagna and Yuri Tielemans lead Ben White in that category. So... At the time of recording, um, we haven't had Mikel Arteta's press conference yet. And I'm in this weird place, right, where I like to do the previews nice and early so that you get time to take them in. But also that does mean sometimes that we record them before the press conferences take place, especially uh, when it's a Saturday game. And I am traveling later today, um, so I wouldn't have been able to do it around 4 or 5 p.m., which is why uh, I decided to do it now nice and early, which is a bit shit for a lot of you, I know. But I mean, it means you've got the whole day to listen or watch it if you want. So we don't know exactly what the update is. And I kind of argue that Mikel Arteta, when it comes to the fitness of key players, Thomas Partey, the one everybody's talking about, I don't think he'd give us much anyway. Um, I think he'd probably give us the line of he needs to be assessed and, and that will be that. But my gut feel, uh, based on what we've seen so far this week and based on the conversation that I had with Charles Watts earlier in the week on this show, you can check that episode out. I don't think that Thomas Partey is going to be available. At the time we recorded that show on Tuesday late afternoon, Thomas Partey hadn't trained yet. So unless he's coming to train in Wednesday, Thursday or Thursday and maybe today, I think it's highly unlikely that Thomas Partey is fit enough to start the game. I don't want to rule him out of the squad because you know, you never know. He might be deemed fit enough uh, to at least play some part or to be involved in some capacity. And maybe the performance of Jorginho last week. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Producing a balanced budget, not just for football. And saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We'll give Mikel Arteta the confidence in the fact that perhaps he doesn't have to rush him back and risk further injury, which is something we've done in the past and been burnt for. But my gut feel is that Thomas Partey is not going to be available uh, and he's not going to be in the starting lineup uh, for this one. What does that mean for us? I said that we shouldn't really worry about Leicester too much and that we should focus on our own game. But as I mentioned, um, after Man City, after Villa, I think there is a slight vulnerability in our midfield when Jorginho plays. I think he brings you some of the package, but not all of it. So we've got to get into that. Let's take it on then to the team uh, that I would pick. So again, this is not the team that I know Mikel is going to pick. This is the team that I would pick going into this game. Uh, let me just change that because I've uh, forgotten clearly to update that uh, since the last uh, the last show that we did. But if I run you through it, uh, it's obviously Aaron Ramsdale in goal, clear number one at the club, um, made some really important saves at Villa, especially that one late on just before Arsenal found that third goal. It was a fantastic stop from Leon Bailey uh, from Aaron Ramsdale who pushed it up onto the crossbar. So he starts in goal for me. I thought Ben White looked much better at Aston Villa. He looked back to his best um, playing in that right back position. So he plays there for me. I'm not doing much in terms of the defence. I'm leaving it as is. Saliba, Gabriel at centre-back with Zinchenko on the left-hand side. My midfield would be Xhaka, Odegaard and Jorginho. On the left, I'd bring Martinelli back into the side. Not because he scored against Villa. I mean, that goal was a goal that was born out of Villa's desperation to try and get back in the game. And, you know, he couldn't really miss, could he? So I'm not going to sit there and sort of heap loads of praise on Gabby Martinelli and suggest that that's the reason he should play. But what I do think that goal maybe did is kind of reignite his confidence a little bit, which was, I felt, just lacking for a few weeks. So perhaps he'll be in a better headspace. And equally, I don't think Leandro Trossard was that effective at Aston Villa. Now, that's not to slag the guy off. It's not to criticise the guy. He's a very different player uh, to Martinelli. But I think I expect there to be more space at Leicester than I did against the new Emery team. So at least in the wide areas anyway. So I think that Martinelli's probably the right one to go with. Bukayo Saka took a few kicks, but was obviously pictured in training yesterday, looking good, looking raring to go. So he would play on the right-hand side for me. And Eddie Nketiah, who's really our only option up front at the moment, uh, should play uh, through the middle. I can see a lot of people in the chat suggesting that maybe Granit Xhaka should drop out of the team. Look, I think Granit Xhaka's form has dipped a little bit of late and people will know I'm one of his biggest defenders. I really like the guy. I think he brings so much to the team. I think he's been criminally underrated uh, for a while. And I think only this season people have started to see what he can produce and what he's capable of when in the right team and in the right environment under obviously the right coach. I'm not against the idea. Let me be clear. I'm not against the idea of Granit Xhaka not playing, sort of generally speaking. I think he probably does need a bit of a breather and to be taken out of the firing line. But away at Leicester City is not the place to do it because that midfield would be so weak physically if you took Granit Xhaka out of it. Now, if Thomas Partey was in the team and you played Jorginho where Xhaka's playing, I wouldn't have a massive problem with that. And I actually think, although Jorginho is very effective from those deep positions in terms of progressing the ball and line breaking, I actually think if he played uh, a little bit further forward, it would kind of 
cover up some of his weaknesses and and some of the flaws that we I'd say he has because I think on the transition is our problem with Jorginho. Partey is a bit more uh, built for that, a bit more resistant to that because of his mobility. I would argue, um, you know, I, but I just for me you can't take Xhaka out of the team when you haven't got Thomas Partey. If Thomas Partey was playing and you made the case that maybe Xhaka needs a breather, I would probably entertain it. I'm not going to entertain it, though, in the absence of Thomas Partey, who, again, I don't know at the time of recording is 100% out, but based on the conversations I've had this week and based on some of the work I've done, I'm, I'd be shocked if he was fit and available. Uh, big shout out to Dan Potts, uh, friend of the show. Uh, how you doing, mate? Hope you're good. Hope you're well. Uh, make sure you give Dan's channel a follow. Uh, subscribe. Uh, he says, Jorginho has been impressive the last two games, but Xhaka is affected by the loss of Partey. He improves both Xhaka and Odegaard's game. He absolutely does. He's a fantastic footballer. He, he really, really is uh, Thomas Partey. And naturally, hit the, the game of those around him when he's not there is going to be impacted. I think we can kind of live with it for now in a, a way that we maybe couldn't live with it uh, before the transfer window, especially with El Nenny out. But I just don't think um, El Nenny has that ball progression ability that obviously Jorginho has displayed and showcased since coming in the squad. Look, Jorginho has been good, but this this is not Arsenal at the same level. We We need Thomas Partey back ASAP. And if Keeping him out for one more week means that we reduce the risk of him picking up a serious injury and we increase the likelihood of him coming back to full fitness quicker. Then fine, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, um, so that's the team I would pick. Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Jorginho, uh, Odegaard, Xhaka, and then Martinelli, Saka on the wings with Nketiah through the middle. That's the team I would pick to face Leicester City this weekend. I talked about Jorginho on the transition. Um, let me just kind of explain a little bit more on that. What, what do I mean by that? Why do I worry about that? People talk about mobility all the time, and I think obviously it's important. You know, if you've got greater mobility, greater speed across the ground, you can often um, get, yourselves out of, get yourself out of a hole. You can get yourself out of a difficult situation. Um, sometimes caused by you misreading the game or missing a tackle. How quickly can you recover and get back into position? Jorginho doesn't have that ability to recover, so he has to get things right first time. And what we've seen, I think, a few times in recent weeks when he's obviously been playing is that he reads the game really well at times and he steps into the right areas at the right time and intercepts the ball really, really well. Uh, and effectively, and then we know has the quality to progress it and help us build up. But I've also seen him step out of position to go and confront something and not get there in time. And when he doesn't get there in time, as I've mentioned, the lack of mobility is a problem because then he can't get back into position quick enough to help us defend in the way that Thomas Partey can. And so I think it's important that whoever plays in the midfield alongside him is aware of that. And, and probably more conscious of that than they'd need to be if they were playing with Thomas Partey. And that falls on Granit Xhaka for me. That falls on Alexander Zinchenko, who does tuck in. So that's why those two guys, for me, need to be in the team whilst Jorginho is playing at the base of midfield. When Thomas Partey comes in, I'm much more open to changing it. I'm much more open to, to tweaking it a little bit. But without Thomas Partey, I think you need to play, um, you know, you need to play in this way. And, and this is the only formula for me. Uh, that works anyway, at least from the start of a game. Now, you can change it depending on the game state later. But in terms of going into the game, that's what works, uh, I would say. 
Right. So um, that's that. Uh, in terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3. That's my prediction. I feel like we're going to start scoring a few goals. I don't think we've been watertight defensively lately. I think the absence of Thomas Partey's contributed to that, uh, of course. Um, but even prior to that, there were just signs that we were going off it a little bit defensively. I don't expect us to keep Leicester City at bay, but I do expect us to outscore them with the talent that we have. Uh, I'm hoping for an Eddie and Ketia goal. I think he really, really needs one. But 3-1 is the prediction I'm going to go for. 3-1 uh, to the Arsenal, of course. Um, we're going to bring you the reaction pod on Sunday. I'm going to be bringing it to you from Paris because I'm going to be in Paris uh, this weekend. I am working over in France, um, which is going to be an amazing experience. I can't wait. Obviously, I'll be watching the game, uh, but I'll have to bring you the podcast from Paris. So you'll have to forgive me if maybe the audio quality is not as good. Uh, or the video quality is not as good. I don't really know what setup I'm going to find or what level of Wi-Fi I'm going to find when I get there. So I might have to pre-record it and upload it for you guys. But we'll see. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, am I going to do a Europa draw reaction uh, episode? No, I wasn't going to do a specific episode. As I mentioned, I'm traveling uh, today. But um, you can catch my thoughts on that on Twitter, my brief thoughts. And then we'll talk about that, of course, on the next show. Uh, some really interesting opponents uh, that we can um, that we can uh, we can potentially meet some interesting away trips uh, for those of you that will be interested in going. Being a Serie A lover, I'd quite like the opportunity to go to Roma or to Juventus. Um, that would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be a lovely trip. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, before we continue into the Saka news, which we're going to do before uh, we say goodbye, I want to say a big hello to Lachlan Ross, who says hi, Harry. I've never joined you live, but listen to you every day. Joining from Australia, welcome, my friend. Uh, good to see you in the live chat. Um, I hope you're well. hope all is good down under, as we say. Um, okay, so Bukayo Saka has agreed a deal in principle with Arsenal. Huge, huge, huge. That's the only word you can really use to describe that. There's been a lot of confidence within the club and I think within a lot of the fan base that this was inevitable, that Bukayo Saka was going to sign. But obviously, until you hear it from one of the reputable sources, there was a little bit of nervousness starting to creep in. And why? Because with every passing week, his stock continues to rise. With every passing week, Bukayo Saka gets better and better and better, becomes more and more important and becomes more and more imperative to this team. Not only is he top, top class, he embodies everything about this new Arsenal. Come up through the ranks, one of our own, Someone who was patient, who was given opportunities, who took opportunities. Somebody for the boys at Halen to look at and say, this guy has not only managed to break through into the first team squad, but he's probably become the best player at the club. He's probably become the biggest star at the football club. And that is inspiration. You, wanna, you want those examples front and centre of any project that you're building. And Bukayo Saka has been, you know, sensational. I've run out of superlatives to say when it comes to Bukayo Saka. Um, he's going to be on, according to some of those reports, around about 200k a week. It's the going rate these days. Um, some people will say it's ridiculous. Others will say he's worth every penny. That's something that would divide opinion. But I think anybody that says he's not worth it is basing that on their views on what footballers get paid, generally speaking, as opposed to Bukayo Saka's level and ability and quality, because he's fantastic. Um, so I'm obviously buzzing with that news, delighted by that news. Can't wait for the official announcement. But I think what it does is it sends a really powerful message, doesn't it, to all of those clubs that were maybe circling 
the clubs that are looking at us and thinking we're just a flash in the pan and we might fade away again. We are building for a long, long um, time. You know, we are building um, for the future. We're building for a strong future. We're building foundations. And Bukayo Saka is at the front of that. And you can sit there every summer and every January and, and go big on the players that you want us to sign and the players that we should add. But sometimes the most important business that you can do is the tying down of your key players. And Arsenal in the past, historically, have not been very good at that. So to be in a position now where we're doing it, we're active in it, we're proactive in it, um, we're not waiting for players' contracts to run down. We are proactively trying uh, to protect their value, to protect the football club from the possibility of them maybe wanting to move on. Look, it's football, that happens. People you know, are people. Sometimes they want a different challenge. Sometimes they want to change. To be able to protect yourself against that, though, as a football club, in that with the right contract, you can demand the biggest fees, um, you know, and, and you know, get back the investment that you put in a player. I think that's so key. And that was a big trick that Arsenal were missing prior to Edu and prior uh, to this uh, this current regime. So it's not just about keeping Bukayo Saka. It's about the message it sends to everybody else. It's about the message it sends to players that we might try and sign. It's about the message that it sends to the likes of William Saliba, who are also trying to tie down on a long-term contract. It's just a big win for the club all round. And, and as I say, I can't wait uh, for that news um, to become official. But yeah, a step in the right direction and uh, something that we'll talk about in a bit more detail when that announcement comes. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a look back on Bukayo Saka's Arsenal career to date. Look at his journey. Look at his trajectory. That'll be something interesting, won't it? But yeah, look, thank you uh, all so, so much uh, for tuning in. My prediction, as I say, Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3. I've got a dash. I'm so sorry that this is a shorter version of the preview, but I've got to get my stuff ready um, for my departure later on today because I've got a really busy day of work in between that. Um, but I will keep in touch. I will be uh, on the podcast. I will be online, of course, uh, during my trip. So uh, we'll uh, we'll talk all things Arsenal uh, as soon as I get the opportunity. Thank you all so, so much. Don't forget to leave a like on the way out. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I will see you all on Sunday, if not before, to look back on hopefully Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3. <laughs> Catch you all soon, guys. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.